Welcome to episode 85 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders of all types who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we reaffirm why storytelling matters. We tell you the things that we believe about discovering and telling your story. And we share the ways that we help people discover their stories and find the details that matter. I'm Amanda Wagner, speaker, business strategist, and professional hype woman. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who are tired of looking at others and saying, why are they doing that and I'm not, and are ready instead to claim their own spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and delights of being highly ambitious and how even though we're impatient and at times anxious, we can be intentional and make strategic decisions about how to get more of what we want in a noisy world. If you are tired of hearing everyone talk about why storytelling is so important and how everyone has a story to share and why your story matters, maybe it's because you haven't found your story and you haven't felt the impact of it. I mean, maybe it's because you're tired of repetition and you think that storytelling has become an overused buzzword, but hear me out. I find myself getting frustrated when I hear something over and over and it's different than my own experience. Either I feel left out or unseen, or it's a reminder of something that I don't have or I can't connect with. And I've had a lot of people tell me that even though they buy into the idea of storytelling, they are tired of hearing about it because they don't think that they have a story. Liz, as somebody who specializes in helping people tell their stories online, you must hear this a lot. What are the contexts that you hear this, this complaint or this struggle in? I hear it all the time. I think when people think about telling a story, they think it has to be a book or this manifesto or something that their entire website revolves around. And a story doesn't have to be that. So the context that I often hear it in is I'm helping someone with a, an email newsletter or I'm helping someone with their Instagram feed and I want to know what their story is. And they're like, well, I don't have one because they don't think about storytelling from some of those smaller platforms. So people crave emotion and interesting things, not just facts on all platforms, not just when they crack open a book or when they visit a website. People want stories in all of the places that they're looking. So those are some of the contexts that I hear it in. I saw Elizabeth Gilbert speak a few weeks ago and and I looked around at the end of this talk and I thought every single person in that room bought a ticket to hear this bitch tell, tell stories for 45 minutes. She told us stories and it was magical and it was still worth every penny. And so, there are moments, I mean, as I sat down, I, I started crying before she even started talking. Because for me, I go to these events very strategically because I want to learn something from this person, but also because I want to be this person. Go, what do I have to do in my life where my job is to travel across a country, several countries, and go on stage and tell great stories and let people build their own lessons from them. That's the dream. And so if you have ever gone to an event like this where you've heard somebody tell stories and feel transformed by it, Liz and I are here to go, 
you have a story too. It counts. Even if it's not in a book, it's not in a podcast episode, you don't cry halfway through, nobody dies, nobody has a tragic terminal illness, you don't have a puppy that got sick, your story still counts. We're going to breeze through a, a few reasons why storytelling matters, and then we're going to get to the guts of how to find yours if you are feeling left out. One of the reasons that storytelling matters, listen, I talk about this all the time, we are humans first, and having a story humanizes us. It tells us that we aren't alone. I also think it gives other people a way to connect with you. It is far more compelling to hear a story about somebody and talk to them about that than it is to ask what their job title is, to hear where they're from, to talk about the weather or if they've done their spring cleanup in their yard. That shit's really boring. So stories help us get more engaged with human beings. Liz, why does storytelling matter from your perspective? Because it's interesting. I don't want facts and figures. I don't want this event happens on this day. When I, long time ago, went to post-secondary school to become a reporter, we learned this technique. I don't know if anyone calls it this anymore or if this was just that instructor at the time who called it that. He called it Frodo. And it's regardless of the story you're telling. I am writing a short television story about an upcoming fundraiser. Instead of telling me the details of the fundraiser, you're finding a face. You're finding someone who will be impacted as a result of this fundraiser. And you're telling their story. And the details of this event are extra. So I don't know why he called it Frodo. But putting a face or a story to anything because you can connect to that much more wholeheartedly than you can to just dates and times and places. That was beautifully meta as you told that in a story where we get to learn, oh, Liz went to school to be a reporter and she was in this class and I'm sitting here going, what is the, what's the acronym? What does Frodo stand for? Immediately on hearing that, I want to go, okay, let's figure out what this acronym stood for. What year was this? Is it a Lord of the Rings connection? Whatever it is, I'm definitely more engaged than if you just said, details matter find a person that it connects with. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Frodo stands for. I've thought about this a lot uh, in the many years since I learned it. I never asked him why it was called that. And I have referred to it recently to my partner and he laughed at me because we went to school together. And so he knows this technique as well. And he hadn't thought about it in a long time. No, he doesn't know why it's called it. But that was that was the thing it was it was Frodo it put Make someone the center of the story and just tell instead of just telling me what the thing is. Fascinating. Well, prompt to our listeners if you know why this thing is called Frodo, uh, we would love to hear it. And that, oh man, I just, Liz, we learned so much about you there. I'm a little taken aback. I don't really know what to do now because I'm brainstorming this Frodo business. The idea of connecting with a human being is also part of sales 101 right 
features and features are great, but the benefits are what sells someone. Sell through storytelling, connect with a human, solve their problem. All of these different pieces. There is a, a quote that I use on many of the proposals that I send out from Seth Godin, who says, people don't buy goods and services. They buy stories, relations, and magic. And storytelling is the much juicier part that feels really hard, but it doesn't have to. And I think that's why anybody who's frustrated with the just tell your story, they get annoyed because it feels hard and they feel like they don't know what to do and nobody feels like their story is valuable enough because we all lead pretty boring, mediocre lives. We're very conscious now in a way that I think is, is very positive. We're conscious of our privilege. So we don't necessarily want to share a story if we aren't able to consciously acknowledge our bias or the privilege that we bring to it. So I think people are backing away from it. And, and to me, that's why we're annoyed when somebody talks about how storytelling is so important because we don't have one. So if you feel like you don't have a story, you start here because LP and I have a few ways that we use to help people discover their stories and build their confidence in sharing them. Now, I'm going to jump right to the end here and give you a, a bit of a spoiler. You are going to get so tired of telling this story and that's okay because it's not for you. The story is not for you. The story is a launch point to get somebody interested in you and for you to get interested in them. It's your way to find a commonality. Now, one of the stories that I tell all the time, if you've heard me tell it, you know that the jokes are the same and you know that the details are the same. And I've had very few people stand up and walk out of the room and go, I've heard this story before, she's boring. Instead, they kind of look at their neighbor and they go, oh yeah, I know this one. I haven't had a person walk out. I want you to keep that in mind as we go through five things that we think you need to know about storytelling. You're going to get bored. Your story is not for you. It's okay to be bored. Liz, do you want to hit us with number one? Because I think you're going to debunk a huge myth here. It would be my pleasure. Uh, so the number one thing on our list that we think you need to know about storytelling is you have a story. Even if you think it's boring, someone else needs to hear that. You might think it's dull. You might think it's not important. You might not even realize it is a story. But it is. You have a story and someone else needs to hear it. The number of people who actually have big, juicy, exciting stories is probably teeny tiny. It's probably pretty small. And those aren't always relatable or easy to connect to anyway. Again, we're all humans. We all have a story that other humans will relate to in some way. So that's number one. Number two. So you don't have to be heavy handed or over the top about your story. And it doesn't have to be sad. Again, your dog doesn't have to die. Nobody has to have a terminal illness. Those are one type of story. Those stories exist, but they aren't the only ones. Stories can be about joy. Stories can be about curiosity. Stories can be about, I saw this thing one time and this is the experience that I had with it. Again, to, to go back to this, I, 
I saw Elizabeth Gilbert and sat there going, she's just telling stories. And I heard the two women behind me, kind of annoyingly, commenting on every single thing that she said, which was annoying to me as a listener. But what it did is it told me that there were other people connecting with what she had to say. And that's the intriguing piece. In 2018, I went to a conference in Palm Springs and skeptical at first, then became the person who drank the Kool-Aid and was all about it and went totally two feet in to go to every single session I could. And then by the end went, oh, this really isn't the place for me. And part of that, that trajectory happened because I sat in this room with a bunch of other people to listen to a speaker who had a game-changing strategy for networking. And I sat in this room and was so eager to hear what this person had to say. And she suggested that we turn to our neighbor and instead of asking them what they do or where they're from, she suggested that we ask them, what sets your soul on fire? And I think she was trying to get to a storytelling piece, but. For me, I looked around at these other people and go, I'm not going to ask a stranger what sets their soul on fire. I would rather set myself on fire because that felt terrible to me. So I think the, the idea that we have to have this massive life change, breakdown, crocodile tears, drama is putting so much pressure on what the story is. And that doesn't have to be it. Number three. Details make the difference. And the way to find the details is to pay attention to what parts of the story, whatever that story is, whether it's a big story or a small story, what parts of that story give you some sort of emotion? Do they fire you up? Do they get you sweating? Do you get goosebumps? Do you feel some sort of tears building up, whatever it might be, if you are feeling that thing, chances are someone else is going to feel that thing. So you really want to pay attention to how you're feeling in the moment when it's time to tell that story. One of the coolest experiences in a private coaching setting, working one-on-one with people, is that you can tell certain things that they hold back or that they're afraid to say. And as a coach, it's my job to start poking and prodding and like pull on that thread. Liz, I know you see this with your clients too. When you meet with somebody who says, I don't have a story. And you're like, hang on a second. I'm going to pull it out of you. That's where the magic happens. I do this in the podcasting course that I teach as well. I I teach my students about the importance of the often overlooked pre-interview. And that's when you sit down with whoever your podcast guest is going to be to have a conversation with them so they feel comfortable coming onto your podcast. But this is also your opportunity to find what are those things that they get louder on the phone or their eyes light up in this Zoom call. So you know what those things are as the podcast host to try and find those stories as part of your interview. If you've ever watched RuPaul's Drag Race, you can very clearly tell when Ru is trying to get a story. 
my best friend Danielle says that Rui is just hungry for tears and he's just trying to get them out and get their inner saboteur working so that he can talk about it. We're looking for, for sad stories of, of parents who have abandoned their children or stories of people not being accepted for who they are. And they are heartbreaking. And I think sometimes when we see so many of these, we devalue our own. And I want to advocate for that again, going, you don't have to be hungry for tears to find yours. But like Liz said, there are other things to pay attention to. When does your voice get louder? When do you get goosebumps? When do you share something and you go, oh, I, I haven't thought about that in ages. I can't, I, I forgot this thing was even important to me. And that is often where our stories come from. And we talk a lot about the story. But the fourth piece that we want to share is that you can have more than one. You can have more than one story for different audiences, for the same audience. You do not have to come back to one story all the time. Again, that's pulling back on some of the pressure. There is more than one and different ones will emerge at different times. And this is good news because not everybody is going to see themselves in your one story. I also think that the pressure is that when we have this one story, we feel like we have to stick with it. And then anytime, anytime we deviate or change or stretch or our circumstances are different, we're like, oh shit, I have to come up with my new story as though the other one doesn't exist anymore. And that's not true. You can have multiple stories at one time and tell them in different ways. And that's, again, what's most interesting. A while ago, quite a while ago, I'll share the link in the show notes. We did an episode of the podcast about the importance of sharing your greatest hits, which I think is a great thing to just bring up here. I think people feel a lot of pressure that they have to come up with something fresh all the time or they really have to perfect this one single piece. It doesn't have to be this way. Figure out what those multiple things are that you feel awesome about that fire you up and share all those. It doesn't have to be just that one piece. So we'll put that link in the show notes if you're looking for some additional inspiration. I think it's worth remembering that life is also not a TED Talk. As somebody who wants to do a TED Talk, I want to spend my 12 minutes and 48 seconds on the red dot. And that's not what life is made up of. So I think sometimes when I know when I'm thinking of my story, I have gone through this like, but it's not dramatic enough. If you've listened to our episode with Ashley Jansen, where we talk about productivity and calming chaos, I asked her a question, which still just makes my stomach turn to think of answering. But she talks about how her life has changed when her partner was diagnosed with cancer, her own diagnosis with MS. And in this story, I, I somehow get the guts to say, do I have to get cancer or MS or some type of illness to change the way I think about my life? And that was my entry point to that story. So one thing that I often remind people of when they are in my Zoom room or we're having a conversation is that people will invite themselves into, into your story as they see fit. 
everybody gets to take their own lesson from it. So when it comes to sharing your story, discovering your story, it's great to have a lesson. It's great to have a so what. But other people are going to hear that and they're going to find their own so what. Just like at that Elizabeth Gilbert event, there are many people who were in that room as writers, thinking as writers, going, how can this brilliant author help me get to that level or help me get out of my writing rut? And I went there going, this is my dream career. So the lesson that somebody else is taking from it is totally different than mine and they both count. So when we're telling our own stories, yes, it's great to have an objective. It's great to have a point and a so what, but we also have to leave the freedom for somebody else to invite themselves in on whatever level they're at at that moment. The fifth thing that we think you need to know about storytelling is you're going to tell this story over and over and over and over again. I know Amanda mentioned this. The details will work themselves out. You'll see what people respond to and decide what to keep or what to leave out in that moment. I'm sure Elizabeth Gilbert did that on stage. She's got that version of that story and then she was able to sense how people were reacting to certain tidbits and she decided to drop a sentence here or there or share an additional anecdote here or there. That's how it goes. The version she told on stage is different from what she might tell in a book, is different from what she might tell on her website, slightly different from what she might share on her podcast or on social media, but it's the same story over and over just slightly different iterations. Even when your story feels boring to you, there is someone hearing it for the first time or hearing that version of it for the first time. We talk about this a bunch in that Greatest Hits episode. Is if you are tired of that thing, sorry, sweetie, someone still loves it, right? Um, So know that if you have one story or you have 19 stories, you're going to come back to them over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think about this with comedy. I could listen to Jim Gaffigan do Hot Pockets for every day for the rest of my life, and I will still laugh even though I can do it word for word. There are still songs that I will listen to on repeat. I know all the words. I've seen the concert, and I will still love it. And so I think if we think of our stories as as songs, as as jokes, as something that people adore, we have so much potential to share them more readily and with more confidence. And my strategies, when people come to me and say, I know there's a story, but what is it? Or I don't think I have a story to tell. My number one thing is to say, what story do people ask you to tell over and over again? Hey, Amanda, can you tell that story about when you fell in the water feature in Mexico? I'll save that one for the, that's like the after hours podcast story. But some people will say, hey, Amanda, when are you doing stand-up comedy next? I'll go, oh, I haven't done that in a while, or I haven't done on my type five anymore. But the stories that people ask you to tell are because they connected with you. I have told the story of me being laid off over and over again. And I actively say that it's one of my favorite stories to tell because it still elicits emotion. There's something so powerful there. And I do have this little, this critic inside me, my imposter saying, people are so tired of this. You were fired six years ago, get over it. 
I am almost over it. Thank you very much. And it's still a great story because I still have people that show up to my inbox and say, I got laid off, but it's going to be okay, right? Or I got laid off and it, it's not the end of the world. And so those are the things that count. That is a story that people ask me to tell. And that tells me that it matters. So pay attention to what people ask you to tell. The second strategy that I have to help discover that story is to not start from scratch. Don't sit down to write a story. That is going to be boring and it's not gonna get you what you want. I think you need to pay attention to the things that you're reading, the places that you go, what are you watching, and look for what elicits emotions in you. When I was in that alt summit room, oh, I never named the conference, but there we go. When I was in that room at alt summit, I was sitting there going, this isn't the place for me. I look like Morticia Adams compared to all these girls in their tunics and their bright colors. I don't fit. That's the launch point of my story because I knew I didn't fit and I had to believe that I wasn't the only person who felt that way. I find what is particularly helpful is to look at what pisses you off. What is everybody saying that gets you so annoyed? Right? And I'm in the process. This is a this is how the sausage is made, but also before the sausage is made. I am in the process of figuring out what my version of a business retreat looks like. And I can tell you that there is no sunrise yoga. We are not burning little pieces of paper with our regrets on them. We are not petting goats. We are not getting our periods at the same time. And the way that I've been able to start imagining this and building this out is by looking at other retreats and going, don't want that, don't want that, don't want that. That's not for me. That's not for my people. So if you can find what pisses you off, it will help you figure out the lenses and the angles to explore your own story through. So do not start from scratch. And my third strategy is to pull on one thread. So for instance, I am trying to figure out what I really have to say about ambition. And in order to do that, I went to our pal Google and I started reading different things that different people have said about ambition. I want to look at women and ambition. I want to look if ambition changes after you have kids. I want to know if when you make it, you're not as ambitious anymore. I want to know how much money it takes for you to be satisfied in your life. I pulled on this one thread and got all these different ideas and started reading these things so that I could figure out how my story connects with that. Because there's somebody out there, probably more than one person, who needs to hear what I have to say and about my experience with ambition. LP, what are your strategies for somebody to figure out their story and build confidence in telling it? I also have three strategies. The first one is talk to somebody. Have a conversation. And, you know, we talked about feeling those feelings as they happen, whether you get sweaty or you get goosebumps or you get some sort of butterflies in your stomach, whatever that emotional response is. Think about what gets you excited in that conversation because there's something there. That's a giant clue. 
put your detective hat on for a second do some searching to figure out what is that thing because that's a huge indication there's something there so that's strategy number one strategy strategy number two is similar to something I said in the last episode is look at the data whether that's actual numbers or data in the sense of the feelings or the feeling in the room you got when you shared a story of what you've already shared what did people enjoy so if you shared something in an email newsletter did people click did people read it if you shared something on Instagram, did people save it? Did they engage with it? If you haven't shared anything digitally, what, you just told that story in the room. What kind of data can you gather from that experience? Were they engaged? Were they nodding their heads? Were they asking you questions? Use that data to help you determine if you're on to something. That's really smart. If I'm thinking about in a room, what do people clap the most at? Or when people come to talk to you after, what do they want to know more details about? What was that conference you went to? What was that thing that you said? Tell me that story one more time. Yeah, that's a great indicator of what a great story is. My third and final strategy is take the pressure off and know that you can try again. Especially coming from the digital space, everything moves so quickly. There's always a need to create. If you tried one approach to your story this week and it didn't work, it didn't land, nobody cared, there were crickets, it's okay. You can try again. Try it a different way next week. Or try a different story. Or try telling it in a video instead of in a photo. Or write it from a different perspective. It doesn't have to be set in stone. So take the pressure off. Know that this is a long game. You're not going to find your story today, right? You can try again and again and again until you land on whatever that thing is. I love these, Liz. I want to come back to your first point about having a conversation with somebody because just like I said, you don't sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write my story that I'm now going to tell 10,000 times. Having that conversation with somebody and looking at what elicits those reactions is so important. I also think that in a similar vein, look at the details that you hold back. What are the things that I'm afraid to share? And how might getting the guts to share that out loud in and of itself become part of your story? So I think there's a lot to be said for what we don't let come out. And so by having a conversation with somebody that you trust, there's some space to play and see how that other person reacts when you share that and see, would you be okay doing that over and over again? The second part is to be a five-year-old or a three-year-old. I don't know developmentally when kids do this, but to ask why or so what over and over again. So if you are trying to figure this out, sit down with somebody and say, okay, I'm gonna tell you this story and I want you to push me for details. I want you to pull out the tears or whatever that emotion is. Because when, when we tell stories, we gloss over things that are so interesting to others. So sit down and, and say, tell, tell me the most exciting thing that's happened in your life in the last five years and have that person go, okay, why? 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 At least five times and you're gonna get annoyed, but that's gonna get to the root of what you are trying to communicate 
And that's where it gets interesting. And when it gets interesting is when you get people on your team and people are listening to you. And that's why storytelling matters because it's so not about you. It's about connecting with other people. And that means we have to get the story out in the first place. So this is where we go, okay, cool. We've talked about storytelling for half an hour. I want you to go tell your story. That might be the story that you came up with yesterday. It might be the story that you've told a thousand times. It might be one that's totally imperfect and you're working on it. Share it on social, share it in your email newsletter, in a conversation with a friend. It can be and should be imperfect. It's a story, not a script. It can change and you will be bored by it, but it is so not about you. And the win is so much greater. If you are listening to this episode and you are keen to figure out your story and don't want to do it alone, call me. Let's have a conversation. I have space for private coaching clients, and this is a wonderful way to connect, to have me listen and pull at these threads to help you figure out what that story is so that you can start telling it over and over again and use it to help you find the right team, the right job, the right career path. The possibilities when you have an engaging story are limitless. There are so many cool things that can happen. So I think this is not only a case for why stories matter, but this is how to get to it. And I cannot wait to hear what you come up with. And if you have an idea of what your story is or what several of your stories are, and now you need help telling them, that's where I come in. Hit me up on Instagram at Liz Pittman or visit my website, LizPittman.com. We can tell this story on social media. We can tell this story in some sort of audio podcast format, a video format, newsletter. I got you. Let's talk. I am going to take this sweaty hair and this imperfect face and I'm going to go record one of my stories with the goal of connecting with new people. There are people on Instagram who don't know who I am and joined us yesterday and so I need to get over my own fear of somebody being bored of my story and instead just tell it again because again I could hear hot pockets every day for the rest of my life. Liz, it is an absolute delight to be back in the podcasting realm. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode. I can't wait to come back. I know. I know we say that every week, but we really do get so excited to come back and do this. So we will have our next episode, episode 86, will be out in two weeks. And until then, we will see you on the internet. Telling stories. Internet stories. Yeah, internet stories.